everyone. Thanks for listening to DIY for Business. It's Russ and wait, that's not Greg. Uh, it's Russ and Wayne with you. <laughs> hey, Wayne, how you doing? I'm good, Russ. How are you? I'm doing good. Well, so, you know, we, we usually have Greg on the show with us, but uh, uh, as, as we discussed, you know, he's a sales guy. Stuff comes up. So we're, we're just going to go for it here. And, and we may have a stop in from Greg at some point. Um, <laughs> just taking me back to my old radio days. You never know what's going to happen. It's just, you, you just go for it, right? <laughs> Let's just roll. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Wayne, I'd like you to do a little, little introduction of yourself here. Let people know uh, who you are. And, and by the way, pay attention to the company name and the website here. Cause this is this, I love this, uh, your company name. <laughs> well, thank you. So my name is Wayne Mullins. I am the founder of a marketing agency called Ugly Mug Marketing. Yes, that is the name. And no, we don't market mugs, um, which is a common question we get. Of course. Um, you know, I've been married for 21 years. We have four great kids. But again, you you would expect me to say that. No one's going to say I've got four terrible kids. And, you know, my life's <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know. Some people. <laughs> you know, well, four great kids, um, three boys and a girl, 16, 13, 12, and 10. So as you can imagine, our lives are very busy at this moment in time, and we're just, we're along for the ride. We're embracing this journey and really enjoying this journey that we're on. That's, that's great. Now you get right into, I, I'll get into the name in a second, but you just mentioned the four kids you led with that when you, when, when your information was sent to us, uh, to, to try to become a guest here on the show, you led with the father of four. And I just think that's so cool that that's what you're leading with instead of like, CEO, founder, marketer. Uh, it's like you're 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 the father of four first. I, I think that's really cool. And I also think that's really tough. Like how do you how do you manage that? Because when I was running my business, I started the business the first, you know, whatever, five, six years, uh, I guess I'd have to do math, but you know, the first several years, no kids. I and then I get married, and then it, you know, like a year or so later, we have a kid, and then we have a second kid. And balancing that became quite the challenge for me right away. How do you do that? How do you manage four kids, a happy marriage and <laughs> a successful business? Yeah. What I would say is, um, you know, number one for me is I, I gave up on the idea of balance because our lives are never truly in balance. I tend to view my life as a season, right? I kind of said that just a second ago. We're we're enjoying the season of life that we're in right now. And so during different seasons, different things are going to require more time, more attention, and more effort. So in the early days of growing the company, I was definitely out of balance in terms of more of my time was spent on work and trying to get that off the ground and get that growing. And less time was available, if you will, for family and family activities and family vacations and, and all of that stuff. The season that I'm in now, it's definitely more evened out. Um, and it's definitely my kids and my family have become just a higher priority where I'm giving them more time, more attention than I have, you know, at any other point in my career and in my journey. I feel like there's more, um, people are saying more now work-life harmony versus work-life balance. And that's, that sort of sounds what you're talking about here too, of like this kind of harmonious blend of, you know, throughout the different seasons of, uh, as you're going through things, uh, you've got these different focuses, different things. Cause I think especially post pandemic work-life balance 
doesn't like how do you do that right like you've you've got all your notifications coming in you know on your phone and all of the, you know, everything is following with you everywhere so you know like it's it's tough i like the whole term of the the harmony thing too i, I think that's kind of a cool way of doing it because it's hard to just completely separate things like that yeah, I completely agree, Russ. I think so often we approach work and family or, or work and life outside of work as two opposing forces, right? Where they have to be in opposition of one another. So in other words, the more time I spend at work, the the less benefit to my family, the more time I spend with my family, less benefit to my my work. But I, I do believe that they can work in harmony and one can support the other. I think so often when you know, we're at work, we're thinking, oh, I really should be spending time with the family or with the kids. And when we're with the family, we're thinking, oh, there's a million emails yeah. I need to get to. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And so I really believe for me, it's creating some um, rigidity, some structures, some really hard structures around the way I work and around the way I spend time with the family to protect each of those unique things. So that is very clear, very cut and dry. And, you know, I'm honestly at a stage, my business is at a stage now where I'm fortunate to have an amazing team of people around me nice. so that what used to flow through to me, now we have project managers handling various clients and various projects. We have a business development guy, you know, so I have that luxury of having a team who has removed a lot of that burden that was on my shoulders in those early days. Yeah. And, and that's something that I always have dealt with, with small to medium sized business because they're not to that point yet. A lot of them, right? Like they're still handling everything. They're still dealing with everything that you need to, that, you know, that, that, that happens. And it makes it where it's, um, it's almost impossible to see that next point, that next level of hiring people. And then there's also that trust level of, do I trust other people coming into my business and, and helping me out? Like it's, it's, it's not easy. Yeah. That was a huge lesson for me. So I think, you know, I think in American society by default, we tend to be in the business world. Uh, we tend to lean towards skepticism. Like we're skeptical of other people. Will they keep their word? Will they do what they say they're going to do? And so for me, one of the lessons I've had to learn in leadership is the difference between trust and suspicion and that so often my default was to be suspicious of those around me, to be suspicious. Are they actually doing what they're supposed to be doing? Are they going to keep their word? Are they going to show up? Are they going to send the report? You know, the list goes on and on. And what I had to learn is that instead of defaulting to suspicion, now instead I default to trust. And so one of the very first conversations that we have when people come in is exactly that. Here, we're going to default to trust. In other words, I'm going to trust you, Russ, that you're going to come in, you're going to do your work, you're not going to be shopping online, you're not going to be spending all your day on social media, right? I'm yeah. going to trust you to be producing and to be serving our clients well. Now, here's the thing, Russ, you have the opportunity between when you give your word, whether that's explicit, in other words, you tell me, hey, Wayne, I'm going to do X, Y, or Z, or implicit, in other words, implied. So, you're in a certain role in the company, there's certain implied responsibilities. There's implied commitments that you're making, right? right? Respond to emails, return phone calls. And so between the time you give your word and you execute on that thing, there's a gap. And in that gap is where people can either further build trust or they can erode that trust and begin building some of that suspicion. Right. 
Yeah. And I think a lot of business owners too, like that whole thing, it gets messy with the whole work from home revolution that's happened over the last few years, right? Like how do you trust people when you don't see them working, right? I, I've, I don't even know how many different managers have brought that up or owners of companies have brought that up to me of how do I trust people when they're not, you know, in front of me? How do you trust them when they're in front of you? <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, you don't know what's on their screen. You don't know what they're doing, right? I mean, like, what's what's the big deal? I don't know. It's 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 a weird uh, it's a weird thing. I I will say though the the I, I love you know begin with the whole you know begin with trusting people. Just default to that. I, I love that. Um, and you know, one guy that I always trust is Greg. Uh, to to join us. Uh, <laughs> there he is. Hey, <laughs> you can trust that I'm going to be late. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, actually, life, life happens. That's the thing. Well, it wasn't that I was late. You could trust that I was going to have technical issues. Um, yes. I'm not at my normal studio, as you can see in the background. Uh -huh. I'm on the road. And, uh, you know, sometimes internet doesn't work when you're on the road and it doesn't connect. And anyway, exactly. I apologize, Wayne. I'm here for you. Awesome, man. Yeah. Good seeing you. Good seeing you as well. And I've been listening to the conversation and I just couldn't get the, the camera going, the mic going, but we're we're here now. It's, and I, I do love the fact that you default to, to trust first and then let them prove themselves the other direction, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, then you deal with whatever situation you're you're you know having to deal with at that point. But hopefully, you know, if especially if it's an employee, you hired that person for a reason. Yeah. Right. You've gone through the vetting process. You you want to trust them from the very beginning. You don't want to like start with distrust, especially an employee. Yeah. And from my perspective, you know, having worked with so many different clients, different businesses and business owners over the years is that that's not the default though. The default is suspicion. It's the default of, you know, if somebody shows up late for work, we suspect that they were lazy or that they were up all night partying or, you know, we, we mm -hmm. run through all these stories in our head. Yeah. And in reality, we don't give them grace. You know, a mentor of mine once told me that we judge others based on their actions, but we judge ourselves based on our intentions. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. we just judge them based on whatever that action may be when we don't really know what, what took place behind the scenes, what was going on in their lives. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I usually, when, when something, when it's something with Greg, I just default to it being technical. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or pickleball. One of the two got in the way. <laughs> well, in this case it was technical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So I saved this question, Greg, uh, for, for okay. Wayne here because the name of his company, um, ugly mug uh yeah, yeah. what what like wh why did you go with that and how did that come about did you just have an ugly mug on your desk and and that's how it started or are we talking about face because i mean you're not an ugly guy wayne uh <laughs> yeah no it, it actually comes from uh so there's a gentleman by the name of david ogilvy um david ogilvy was the co-founder of an ad agency called ogilvy and mather at one point, they were the largest ad agency in the entire world. Uh, they're still in the top 10, so a massive ad agency. And inside his offices, David had a saying that was, I would rather you show me an ad that's ugly and effective over one that's beautiful and isn't. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And so the name Ugly Mug Marketing for us is really, it's a playoff of that quote, but it's a reminder that in the world that we live in, ad agency, marketing agency, it's very easy to get lured over to these side projects of trying to win design awards and most creative awards and all these other things. So for us, it's a North Star that keeps us centered around. At the end of the day, our clients come to us because they want results. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, okay. I, li- I like the name. It works. I, did, yeah. <laughs> I was a little afraid of it at first. I'm like, what? The, what, what? I, I did think you were selling mugs at first, but uh, it's, okay. It's a common one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So you, um, you measure on results, and I agree with that. Like, what are some of the metrics that you really prioritize for your clients? <laughs> One word is money. I mean, that okay. is for most of our clients, it's dollars, dollars in the bank account, um, whether that's gross revenue, which obviously is, the, you know, one of the most common things that business owners talk about, or whether that's net or whether that's gross profit. There's usually we try to get the relationship to a place where they're comfortable sharing those numbers with us. Because if you're a for-profit business, that's what matters most. And so, you know, sure, we track impressions, we track reach, we track, you know, clicks and likes and shares and comments and lead form fills and, you know, ROAS even. We track all of that stuff. So return on ad spend, we track all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, the majority of that stuff is really just vanity metrics. It's just words and terminology that can really, you can use big numbers there. You know, we reached 20 million people, 20 million impressions and, you know, Mm -hmm. all these things. And it sounds so impressive, but at the end of the day, if you're not helping them put more money in their bank account, it's not going to last, right? They're not going to stick around and nor do we want them to. If we're unable to get those results for them, we don't, we don't want them to keep giving us money. We want them to go where they can be happy, where they can find somebody who can. Yeah. And okay. You, you just like threw out like 20 numbers there. I, I used to do these reports for businesses that were like, what, like, I don't know, Greg, what were those like 20 pages of different metrics yeah. for their, you know, search optimization and whatnot. I would always try to boil those down to a couple of numbers, right? Because I, you know, well, I didn't have access to the money, like how much they were making from this, but I always wanted to boil it down to just a, like a single, like optimization number. Like you're optimized 87% based on all these other numbers. And I found like that was an easier way. When, when you are talking to businesses about numbers and, and trying to get their aside from money, like how, how do you, how, how do you look like, I guess, or, or what should a person that's running a business now be looking at to know that they're performing okay? And I'm thinking on the digital marketing side. Yeah. So what I would say is, you know, you have to hold every single dollar accountable and I know that's a, you know, it's an easy phrase to say, a very difficult phrase to actually live out. And so I'm going to, I'm going to go one direction, then come back to, to more specific answer for you. So when I talk about, we work with our clients and we want to build the relationship in such a way where they're willing to, you know, some of them will literally pull up QuickBooks accounting software and literally show us their financials and walk us through. And so we want to get to that point with all of our clients that requires a very high level of trust. And so for some clients, honestly, we never get to that point. They're just so private with their numbers. They're never willing to go that, that far with us. Um, for others, you know, it may be a few months in where they start sharing a few of those real numbers with us. But what we love to do is we love to look at month over month, month 
our, our quarter over quarter previous quarter. So same quarter previous period of time. And then year over year. So month, month this month versus the same month last year. And that's really where we want to get those numbers too, because there are seasonal changes and fluctuations in every business, every industry. Um, but when it comes to the specifics on your campaigns, what I've discovered over the years is that when people talk about marketing and they talk about social or digital, what happens is they know they should be doing it, right? They look around, their competitors are doing it. All the gurus online are talking about all the whatever the latest platform is. I don't even know what it is, but they're talking about how you've got to be there and everyone's there. And in reality, we have to go back to what I believe just some basic psychology around marketing. And that is simply this, you know, marketing and sales work hand in hand. And so in mm -hmm. order to move someone through this process to get them to actually pull out their wallet and hand us money, first of all, they have to know about us. Next, they have to like us, like our product, like our service, like our company, what we stand for. And then finally, they have to trust. They have to trust that the dollars they part with, the product or service that we're going to deliver to them is going to be worth more to them, more value to them than those dollars that they part with. Mm -hmm. You have to trust that the product's going to last, that it's going to be, you know, do whatever it's supposed to do. And then if it doesn't, that we're going to stand behind it and warranty it, fix it, all those things. But if we were to take our marketing, we just overlay those few basic things got to get them to know about us. We got to get them to like us. We got to get them to trust us. And then we start building campaigns, specific campaigns around those three things. We can then hold each of them accountable to a specific number, a specific metric. Mm -hmm. You know, you were saying that, you know, you need to build trust and get people to know your clients. Right. And, and I struggle with this because I just wonder how much is social media um like what's what's the ratio of social media importance and influence versus like website and like radio commercial television commercials you know those types of traditional marketing of uh, magazines that type of thing i mean socials everywhere now everybody's got it on their phones on their laptops everywhere right uh, but i just i i have a difficult time measuring how much of an influence it really has into sales. What, what, what have you found so far? Yeah, I do agree. I mean, there's a new social platform. You know, it seems like every other week there's some new platform that people are talking about and, you know, all the kids are on and we got to be doing this <laughs> latest thing. Yeah. And what, what I've discovered is that when we give our dollars a specific job, we can then hold them accountable. So we're huge proponents. We're huge fans of more of a direct response style of marketing. Nothing against brand building or brand awareness. We, we do that stuff. We believe in that as well. But when you shift to more of a direct response, in other words, give me your name, give me your email address, give me your phone number, have a technician call you or opt in for the free report or opt in for the free coupons, we can then further track that person back to where they entered if you want to use the word funnel or whatever you want to use, where they actually entered that process. And so for us, we try to use that approach with every single thing that we do. So an example would be, we're working with a local jewelry store. And so the question is, how do you know if the social's working or the radio is working or the television's working? Well, on social, we will run very specific campaigns that get people to opt in for specific offers 
for the newsletter, for example, where we run certain offers. So we can then track that person all the way back to where that came from. Part of that is um, using different campaigns in different places. So the offer on radio or television may lead them somewhere differently than the one on social. Does that sort of make sense? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it makes a lot of sense. How much does like the pushback, like the EU regulations and all that their various, you know, kind of privacy policies that are being forced on businesses, how is that impacting getting those numbers for you? Yeah, so with most of the platforms that we would use, so the Google, um, Facebook, places like that, it's baked into, right? It's baked into their policies and their agreements. So by if you're just complying with their rules, you're complying with all the regulations. So it really hasn't directly affected the way we reach clients or the way we help our clients reach customers, things like that. Um, the one challenge has been since, you know, iPhone and um, mm -hmm. since Apple and Facebook had this big falling out kind of over privacy, right. yep. that directly affected a lot of retargeting abilities. Um, mm -hmm. But outside of that, the other, you know, if you're complying with the big umbrella where you're running the ads, you're going to be compliant with all the rest. Gotcha. Um, I'm going to uh, go with kind of a, a, a little bit of a different route here. Um, so you get these email addresses, you get people into your database. And I've seen so many businesses fall victim to this as well, where, okay, we got the information. It's in our database. Great. We got a lead. Or, you know, I got a phone call from somebody. Um, they didn't go with our service, but I, I got their information, um, but they didn't go with us. So I'm never going to talk to them again. I feel like that's there's so many missed opportunities within a person's database that they just don't pay attention to, and it just drives me crazy <laughs> that that happens. Do you do you see a lot of businesses with that? And maybe you maybe you could do a little a little uh, preaching the um, <laughs> preaching the message of of focusing on that database and treating it like a gold mine as as a treasure trove, which is really what it is. Are you promoting gold mine as a database, Chris? Uh, no, no. no. Okay. FileMaker. I just want to make sure. I'll go a lot of Sorry. FileMaker, Salesforce. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, Russ, I, I completely agree. Your list, your database is a goldmine. And I'll give you one example. So um, this has been probably three years ago. We were contacted by a national company that sells wood flooring. Mm -hmm. And they very, very successful. I mean, they're doing, they were doing eight figures plus a year in revenue, very successful. The owner wanted his daughter to be in charge of following up with leads generated on social media. They'd never done true social media. I mean, they'd done, you know, a few posts here and there, but never active campaigns there, you know, right? Trying to actually generate leads. So we start running these campaigns. We start generating these leads and we have it all set up. So it takes the leads from Facebook or Instagram. Um, we use this tool called Zapier that then takes oh, those yeah. leads and yeah, yeah drops them. Yeah. Yeah. Drops yep. them into, um, we drop them into a Google document, Google spreadsheet. And then we also would drop them into a newsletter MailChimp, I think is what they were mm -hmm. using. And so in the spreadsheet, we would build out cause they didn't have like a sales tracking system or anything like that. Um, so we kind of build it out in the Google sheet, you know, here's the name, here's the, the email address, here's the phone number. And then we build columns out. So, you know, contact number one, conversation, no conversation, you know, places for notes, follow up number two, follow up number three. So we go through about 
30 days of this and get a call from the owner of the company. He's like, this, this isn't working. Like we're just, we're throwing money away. Like nothing's, nothing's happening here. I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, well, we're, we're not seeing any results from what y'all are doing. Like what's going on? Go pull up the sheet and we generate, I don't remember, it's like 130 leads off of Facebook and go through the thing. And his daughter had gone through and she'd marked, you know, called, left message, no response. Next one down, no answer. Next one down, you know, wrong number. One attempt. So again, yeah, one attempt. One and done. And then even the ones she spoke with, the ones that said, you know, send me a sample pack or follow up with me next week, nothing ever happened with those. So again, yeah. I would be willing to bet based on what I know about their business model and their pricing and all those things, I would be willing, willing to bet that list of 130 people there had to have been close to a million dollars oh. of business in that list. Maybe not immediately, wow. right? right? It had to be worked. You're me hearing this story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. They, very, lot. very high-end flooring, um, custom homes. Yeah. So anyway, very, the average sales price, average ticket for them is going to be around a hundred grand at the time. So again, it doesn't take many of those to, to make a lot of money, yeah. but it wasn't working because First attempt, the leads, you know, couldn't talk, didn't want to talk, didn't answer, whatever this may be. And so they walked away literally from probably seven figures worth of revenue. Right. And, you know, the thing with that is like you mentioned Zapier or Zapier. I, I always screw that name up. Yeah. Whatever. They're cool. Um, but <laughs> you mentioned that there is ways to follow up even with that, right? Like you can, you could set triggers and and things like that within the Google sheet that would follow up automatically. But I feel like also in this world of AI, having somebody, an actual person doing the follow-up, making great notes, and then continuing forth, that instead of, you know, like, I don't know, maybe with automation, that list is worth 100,000. But with a person actually doing the follow-up and taking the care into each one of those, you're looking at the the, the million-dollar list there. Um, yeah, you I'll, give, I'll give you one more quick story, not directly related. I have a friend of mine whose background is in sales, um, and he just had the opportunity, a local insurance company, they get leads provided to them through some of their national carriers. Mm -hmm. And so the, the guy there was saying like, none of these leads on these lists, they send us every month, you know, we call, we don't get responses, they don't answer. And so he said, look, tell you what, y'all go through the list, y'all, y'all attempt to do whatever you do when you're done with it. And he worked out a deal with them where they would send him these lists that were not valuable, right? The people didn't answer, didn't respond. They left a message, whatever. And so he started taking these used lists that they've already worked through, just following uh -oh. up, right? Wow. Just checking in, yeah. following up. How's it, you know, hey, checking in. We tried to reach you. You didn't answer. And with a little bit of work, like three to four hours per week, he is now generating $3,000 per month, literally <laughs> on about three hours a week following a list that they had basically discarded. Wow. Yeah. So there's, there's wow. gold in your database. There's gold in your email list, but you've got a mind for it. You can't just let it sit there. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why Russ is so important to organizations because he is a genius <laughs> when it comes to the databases, literally a genius when it comes to it. So. Uh, yeah, cheese, cheese, Craig. You're making me. I mean, well, I was, just because just you were a little late, you don't have to make up for it. Well, I, I even have a database. I was telling, I was telling Wayne before. We now have a database for this show, 
right? That we set up right. so that like now, you know, when the episodes launch, we can send out emails with the cover art and, oh, it launched, it's launching Monday or it's launching this week and it launched today and all this stuff. And it's like all these like little follow-up things. But as I was creating those and as I was working through those, it's like, it still doesn't replace, you know, Greg and I, like we still have to do the the, the manual stuff, the, the hard work to, to go through that. And I got to add that to that, that, that thing, of, you know, there's gold in there and, you know, you can be the gold miner to go dig through your database to go find that stuff. But if you look at any of those old photos from whatever that was, the 1880s or whatever, those gold miners look tired. They, you know, swinging that pick all day and, and digging through these mines is not easy. It's not an easy job, but it's a heck of a lot easier than cold calling or it's a heck of a lot less expensive than trying to replace those leads again and pull in, you know, you gotta, you, you had to pay to get those leads in there. There was something, whether it was branding or, you know, direct response type things or whatever, you had to pay to get those leads in there. And then sitting in there is wasted money now. Yep. Well, at least, yeah. you know, when you, when you mine your, your database properly, you have a proper target, right? Yeah. You, you, you're not yeah. wasting time on, you could still be cold calling afterwards, but you're cold calling to, you know, a better prospect than just blindly cold calling. So mm -hmm. the database is, is going to help you in so many different ways, but you got to work, you got to manage it properly. Yeah. Well, I, and I think too, like there's the whole, the, the Seth Godin, uh, the, this is marketing book, right? He, he has this uh, thing in there. Don't let, um, uh, you know, don't, I'm going to, I'm not going to say a direct quote cause I'm going to screw it up, but basically, you know, don't find a service for people, you know, like, or don't, don't, don't make a service and try to find people like find a service that people are looking for, you know, like try to figure out like what people want. And when you're going through your old data, you're going to see things like that too. You know, you're going to discover new ways of doing things. So quick story from my side is I used to, you know, when I, when I ran my business, I was trying to figure out additional services. Like I knew that I only had a set amount of time, you know, for, for, I could, I could only make a set amount of money on a particular day, right? Like this is all I can do for that particular day. This is the most amount of money I can make. So I don't want that to be the end of this. So I would go through my database. And as I was like following up with people, I would also sort of note like what other additional side services or additional services offerings that I could offer. And then I started offering those to, to future clients and all of a sudden now, okay, well, I'm making 50% more on each event that I'm doing or making, you know, so like, there's a lot of value in that, not just the direct money of, okay, I got another deal, but what you can learn about your business and learn about your customers. And then also as you're going through that list, you're, you know, reading their words essentially, and you're getting, you know, you can start to talk their language. So it helps to impact your marketing content and to, to make all of, all of that better. So I think it kind of lifts all ships, you know, it's like, it's a great thing to do. It's a great practice to, to get in there and do it. I'm getting passionate about this. I think you're right. Greg. <laughs> Somehow out. we got to uh, databases and yeah, that got you going. <laughs> no, <I'm> weird. <laughs> what are the chances of that on this show? <laughs> So, uh, Wayne, uh, you know, great advice. I, I would love to like, you know, you're one of the guests that I'd love to just have back and, and I'm sure we can touch on a hundred different topics with you. And, um, I, I love, you know, the way that you're approaching this, the stories you told, um, if somebody's listening to this and they want to get some help from you, how do they do that? The simplest place for us would be our website. That's just uglymugmarketing.com. All of our contact info is there, social media channels, 
email addresses, all that good stuff is all in one place. And just in conclusion, what I would say, based on what you were just talking about, is this. There's a quote by Earl Nightingale that was, you can drastically transform your business by following this one piece of advice. And that advice is this, spend one hour a day figuring out how you can better serve your customers. Mm. And it ties back to exactly what you're saying. When you have those relationships and when you have those conversations and when you understand their, their pain points and, you know, what are they looking for? What are they needing help with? Um, it it re really will, you know, elevate every other area of your business because at the end of the day, business doesn't exist without serving other people. Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. You just, you just nailed it. We're, we're having you back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, uh, Wayne, thank you so much for joining us. I know uh, you've got things to get to. Greg's got pickleball to play, uh, which by the way, I do have to give the update. You got a tournament going on this week. And now this, this episode's not going to run until November, but you've, you, uh, here's the accomplishments of Greg over the last like year. Uh, he's got like a closet full of medals. Uh, he's, he's, <laughs> like won all these tournaments i've got to see him play tournaments so i'm excited that you're going to be playing the tournament and um uh if you want to hear more about the pickleball stuff there's the third shot podcast so please do uh go check that out um and uh and and listen to the tales of what what he's been doing and what bridgie's been doing the co-host over there it's just it's and so cool just, uh, and to add to that russ thank you for that to add to that we just launched our third shot podcast store today exactly so it's yeah, so cool. We got like shirts and all that stuff. Podcast and... merch. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So exactly. Now I'm gonna, right. to, I'm gonna have to hit Wayne up to figure out how to use the social media better to uh, promote that brand. Exactly. Exactly. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, thank thank you uh, again, Wayne, for joining us. Uh, Greg, thank you for joining us uh, eventually here too. <laughs> you were working You're a welcome. while store, weren't you? <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Never gonna live it down, Greg. Never gonna live it down. I know. I know. One time. One time. I know. Exactly. I, I deserve this, it. I deserve this it. This is what happens. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you also for listening to DIY for Business. I almost said third shot. Uh, <laughs> uh, wherever you are listening please do subscribe and also check us out on YouTube. We started putting all the shows on YouTube, so you can go check us out over there. The subjects that we cover on this podcast are selected with the goal of helping your business grow and all of the information is provided. It's opinion-based and you might want to consult a professional to discuss your exact business situation. Greg and I want your company to succeed and we are happy to take your questions. We would also love to hear your suggestions for future episodes. If there's an area like where you need some solid business advice or help, let us know. We might be able to build an entire episode around it. We've done that before. It's really cool. So please do uh, reach out to us. You can do that on our website, DIYforbusinesspodcast.com. Um, we also love talking to business owners. If you're a business owner and you want to join us, please do just head over to that website and uh, sync up with us. It would be great. We thank you again for listening and subscribing to DIY for Business, where you are not alone. Mm -hmm.